0: Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. Would you stand please? We're going we're gonna to read this. I'm going to read you. Follow along. Hopefully it will be on the screen. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, and here's the phrase we're going to settle on today, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed And made. Now turn to Isaiah 48, just a couple pages in your Bible. And we're going to begin reading in verse 9 9, 10, and 11. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Father, we pray that you would enable us to embrace by faith the word that stands before us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts and minds and meet them in, in their time of trial, their time of victory, their time of everyday routine. And Father, I pray that we might use this one life that we've been given for the great glory of Your name. Father, make us a church that glorifies You. Make us a Sunday school that glorifies You. God, make us small groups that glorify You. Make us a joy ministry, a teen kid ministry, a youth ministry, Bible studies that glorify You. Father, may this very sermon the prayers that are prayed, the songs that will be sung, the Lord's Supper. God, may it all bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. My wife's a uh, a really good cook. And um, something that's kind of different from the way that I grew up is that my wife makes a large variety of foods, okay? Like there's stuff this year that I'm going to eat that I've never eaten before in my life, right? I mean, like she's always, like, looking, you know? Uh, We'll watch a movie. We watched Chronicles of Narnia. We had Turkish Delight, like, the next week, you know? Uh, We watched the movie Ratatouille. We had Ratatouille. By the way, no rat in that. That's a good thing, you know? I ask. Uh, It's all vegetables. Um, Mongolian beef, Asian food. If she goes somewhere... She'll, she'll kind of figure out what it is, she'll look it up on the internet, she'll try to make it, she goes on Pinterest, and so we have a variety of foods that we eat, but having said that, really, not often, like, you know, once, twice a month, three times a month, maybe, the really kind of more, you know, stuff that we've never had before, maybe three or four times a year, but on a day-to-day basis, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. We're basketball, we got meetings, we're all here and there. Most of the time, you can expect a core, right? Is that the way it is at your house? So, so like, we're gonna have burritos. She makes these great burritos. We're gonna have them a lot, you know? Just meat, hash browns. I love hash browns. You know, you gotta build your own. We had them last night, by the way. Spaghetti. Even I can make spaghetti, all right? I mean, it's the only thing I can make. But we, we have it a lot. Part of it, I can make it, you know. I mean, so we're going to have breads. We're going to have spaghetti. We're going to have this dish called Mama Helper. I told the other services it was like a hamburger helper thing, and we called it Mama Helper. Um, we're passing communion, and she's like, that's not hamburger helper, you know. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but we have it a lot, you know. I mean, you know, there, there's a kind of a core of basic meals that we have. So, we'll, you know, we'll have this stuff that's, you know, from Greece or Italy or wherever, you know, but, but not all the time. We kind of settle on what we survive, what we live on. You know, it's kind of a core of, you know, three, four, five, six, seven meals. At Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, if you stay with us for the long haul, man, I hope you do. My family, we've been here 19 years. We kind of like it. I think we're, we're, we're about committed to stay, I think, you know. And so, many of you have been here a lot longer. So I hope you stay. You know, some of you are just checking us out. Man, I really hope you'll just settle in, get in a small group. And just live with us, you know? Let's, let's, let's do the kingdom of God together. And if you do, here's what you're going to find. Probably there'll be a sermon preached this year that you're like, I did not even know that was in the Bible, you know? That Melchizedek guy, who is he? You know, I never heard of him, right? We'll, we'll have some of those, right? We had some of those going through Hebrews. We, we preached some stuff that you probably never heard of in your life, you know? And we'll have a few of those. But here's what you're going to find. The meat and potatoes of Lincoln Avenue... It's really a few things, okay? You're going to hear sermons on Christ in relationships. In fact, I would bet some of you thought you're going to hear one today. You know, all right, small groups is starting. What's he? Oh, I know what he's going to preach on. You know, Christ in a relationship, right? You heard it a hundred times, right? We we look for passages that have it in it because it's kind of a pillar that holds us up. All right. The other one, the one we're going to look at today, I would say if there is one theme that you're going to hear more often at Lincoln Avenue, hopefully, than any other, it is this one. And it is the glory of God. Okay? The glory of God is is the meat and potatoes of really what our church is centered upon. Now, Isaiah chapter 43. Let's get the context here before we jump in. So the context is cool. I didn't have to read all those verses, but I wanted to because they're so awesome, you know? I mean, chapter 43, you start out in verse 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. And, and what you get is, you get these statements that God says, I am going to take care of you. You know, picture Israel. They've been they've been taken into exile into Babylon. They, their homes have been destroyed. Their, their families broken apart. Their, their, their centuries of disobedience have finally resulted in them being brought all the way into Babylon. And God begins in chapter 40 to speak comfort to them. And now in 43, what he's saying is, I am going to take care of you. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to protect you. I'm 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 going to give nations nations will be sacrificed so that I can bring you back. So that I can bring you home. In verses 5 and 6 and 7, 5 and 6 there's this great picture where he says, I'm going to bring you from the east and from the west and the north and the south. and I'm going to draw you in from everywhere. What, what, the immediate context, the little hill, remember prophecies, little hills, big mountains, okay? The immediate context is, is Isaiah's prophesying. God's going to bring back his nation, and he does do that in 70 years. 70 years after they've been in exile. He brings them back out of these foreign nations and establishes his people again. But the bigger mountain is that one day Jesus is going to come back and no, oh, he's going to He's going to pull his people from one end of the globe to the other. And he's going to gather them. Matthew chapter 24. Listen to this. Verse 31, I believe it is. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds. From one end of heaven to the other. Why is he going to do that? Why why do we have this, this passage where God says over and over again, man, I am going to take care of you. I'm going, to, I'm going to love you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to bring you back. No matter how far, I'm going to pull you back. I'm going to, I'm going to redeem you. Why does he do that? Is it because we are so darn lovable? You know, is that why it is? Is that, is that why he's going to bring Israel out of captivity? Is because they are just so obedient and, and submissive. The very reason they're in exile is because of centuries of rebellion. And God's sending prophet after prophet, plague after plague, nation after nation, and they just won't get it. Is, it. is it because maybe we as Christians, maybe we're like, that's Israel. Is it because we're so awesome? Is it because God looks deep down inside of us and says, those folks are really pretty good. Let me tell you, deep down, you're worse off than on the outside, okay? I mean, God sees that. Is it because God's lonely, you know, and He just wants His people, so He's trying to draw Him. He's up there in heaven. No, He's not lonely. He's not sad. It's not because we deserve it. A lot of folks think that's why God saved me, because I deserve it. That is so unbiblical. The only thing any person in this room deserves is hell. Why does He... Why does he save us? Verse 7 answers the question. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory. You see that? Why, why does God do what he does for his people? Because we are created for his glory. That word created is a significant thing, okay? Now, there may be somebody in here, and uh, here, here's what you think. You think you made yourself, Okay you think you concocted and uh, you willed yourself into existence and uh, you are the owner of your life, you made yourself, you brought yourself into existence, all right? If that is you, first of all, I want to meet you. Be sure you shake my hand when you walk out the door because you're you're unique, okay? And second of all, what I'm about to say doesn't, doesn't matter for you, really. You just do whatever you want. I mean, you're the boss, all right? But I think for the vast majority in here, we would realize we're created. We didn't exist, and and God Almighty saw fit to bring us into existence, to create us, to give us life. We've been given life. We didn't get it on our own. We've been given life. We're created. God formed us. God made us. God brought us into existence, and he did so for a purpose. Okay? Now, when he says, whom I created for my glory, there's both physical creation there, right? Right? All of us exist physically. You were all brought into the world physically. And guess what? You know how you're different than a cow or a sheep or a monkey or a tree or a canyon or a river? You're you're different from all the rest of creation in that you are created in the image of God. Do You know that? All seven billion of us on the planet created in the image of God. Now, that image is marred and cracked by sin. When Pastor Daniel spoke on on uh, the image of God to our our kids, I think he broke a mirror in front of them. They all, it was really exciting, you know? And he's like, all right, this is, you know, the image, it looks just like me. It's not me, but it looks just like me. It reflects me, right? And then he took it, smash, you know? And now it's, you can still tell that that's, I think that's me, but it's all marred and cracked. And that's what sin has done to the world. That's what sin has done to people. And so, so, indeed, God created us physically. But if you're here this morning and you're a believer, You've not only been created physically, but you've been recreated spiritually, reborn, born again. Have you heard that term? Born again. All right. And then you've been born again into, again, the image of God. If we look at Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, there's a phrase that's used in both those passages. It's interesting. Verse 22, it says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So so put off the old self that's marred by sin, and this is what's happening in the Christian life, put on the new self that you're becoming more and more like Jesus, right? Isn't that what's happening in our Christian lives? Hopefully, you're becoming less and less like you and more and more like Jesus. You're you're putting off your characteristics and putting on Jesus' characteristics. You're you're imitating him. You're becoming like him, all right? And so it's in that context that that Isaiah here writes, why were you created? Why why were you saved? Why were you born again? And the answer to that question is for his glory. Verse 7, whom I created for my glory. And guess what? For my glory is the answer to a bunch of questions in life. A bunch of important questions in life. I told the second service, I think I, I didn't say this in the first service, I just thought of it, but you know how when you're a kid in Sunday school and you don't, you weren't really paying attention and you get called on, what's the answer that you answer with? Jesus, right? Right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, Jesus, you got a fair shot of getting it right. Okay. If only the kids knew, a bet, this one actually will work in adult small groups. It'll work in adult Sunday school, okay? So, like, if you're in Sunday school and you weren't really listening, you were thinking about the pot roast or whatever, and then you get called on. What do you think about that, Fred, okay? If you weren't listening, you want to try to save face, the best thing to do, this doesn't always work, but eight out of ten times, you're going to be okay, is say, I just think it's for God's glory, okay? Just say that, for God's glory. And then you're like, you're going to hit it most of the time. You're gonna I mean it, people may be like, well, that's kind of a strange answer, but it's right, it's right, you know. Because it answers a bunch of questions, you know. Why do we exist as a church? Why, 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 you know, if we get that wrong, so there's a lot of answers that that might be in some form okay. Like, why do we exist as a church? Well, to grow, we want to grow. Well, it's true we want to grow, but that's not why we exist as a church. And if that's the umbrella why we why we exist as a church, we're, this thing's going to go off the tracks. Okay, if we're making all our decisions on what's going to grow us, we'll derail. Okay, why do we exist as a church? Well, we want to create an atmosphere that we all enjoy and kind of that we all like. Man, if that's why we exist, we're going to go off the rails. Now, do we want to try to do that? Yeah, I mean, we try to we try to create an, a room that's the right temperature i'll just tell you it's a hard deal in this service here i i mean (laughs) you need a rocket scientist with you know a theorem or something to get that deal right but we we try i mean we you know we we want to create a comfortable atmosphere but is that why we exist no no why do we exist as a church we exist to display his glory that's, that's the overarching umbrella answer, is what we want to do when we have left this place. We want to say, we brought glory to Jesus. We magnified Him. We, we glorified Him. We, we reflected His glory. That's what we want. Why are there stars in the heavens? Psalm 19.1 says to declare His glory. Why do we go through trials for His glory? Why do we sing at church? Why do we sing it? If someone sings at church and it's for their glory... You know, if they wake up that morning and, and they're, they're practicing Britney Spears moves in the mirror, you know, to try to get the attention to themselves. Man, they, they need to sit down, okay? All right? It's not for your glory. Why do we forgive my neighbor for his glory? Why do you love your spouse unconditionally? You know, I, I mean, if we answer those same questions like we answered, why does God do what he does for Israel? Well, it's because they're so lovable. Why do you love your spouse unconditionally? Because they're so lovable, and they're so so submissive and great and beautiful. If you answer that way, congratulations on getting married yesterday. And uh, really great that you came today. I figured you'd be on your honeymoon, but it's really super that you're here. And uh, that's a great answer. We'll, talk, we'll catch you again in about a couple months, we'll ask you. Why do you love your spouse unconditionally? for his glory so that jesus is displayed so that christ is lifted up why do we give to missions for his glory because there's people around on the other side of the world that are not praising god they're not singing his praises they're worshiping idols Oh, that ought to bother. Remember when Paul walked into Athens and he saw all those idols? What does it say about his spirit? He's grieved. All these people are giving glory to rocks and sticks. Not the true God. Why do we strive for unity? For his glory. Why do we turn the other cheek? For his glory. Why why, Why is Jesus coming back? For his glory. Why do we organize ourselves in the small groups for his glory? Why did you welcome one another here this morning? Why did you do that? Why did you get up and shake hands and how are you doing and give a warm greeting? And, you know, been praying. Why would you do that? It, it's for his glory, right? And we remind you that every week. What do we do? Right, right before you shake hands, what do we do? Romans 15, 5 through 7, right? May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice, you may with one voice, what? Glorify our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Why do we do what we do? For His glory. And my friends, it is a tragedy to not get that right. If you don't get that right in your life, with all sincerity, I want to tell you, you will waste your life. You will blow it. You'll squander it. You'll damage it. What if I went to the AT&T store, and I've, I've been hearing about this iPhone thing, you know, And everybody's saying how great they are, and they do all kinds of stuff and really make your life easier. And I don't know much about them, but I'm like, I need to go get me one of them. And so I go there, $750, what? (laughs) Well, everybody says they're great. So I shell out the money, and I got it, and I take it home. And, you know, I kind of left my project, so I go back out to my project. I'm building the dog pen, and I'm getting my boards all straightened up. And where's my hammer? ah, oh, where did I lay that down? Like, well, they say this thing's great, you know, so wham, wham, you know, and there you go, hammering it in, and you get about thing about halfway, it's, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, but you're getting it in, you know, and, and you're hammering, and the wife yells, honey, the toilet's plugged again, so you go in, so okay, just don't leave that, and you go inside, and, oh, the toilet's plugged, well, they say these things are great, you know, so you get down there, and trying to get it out, and You know, here's the deal. You try hard enough, you might be able to pound that nail in and you might be able to unplug your toilet with your iPhone. But a couple things will happen. Number one, you'll damage it. And number two, you won't be very effective. Number three, you won't be very happy. There's a world full of people who are created for his glory. And they are using their body, their life, their time for things that do not glorify God. And they're damaging themselves. They're damaging others. Life is hard and a struggle and it's, there's no satisfaction. There's no joy. Well, that's because you're, you're, not, you're not living for His glory. Don't don't mistake I'm not saying live for his glory and everything will be, you know, nothing but good times and success and prosperity. I'm not I'm not saying that. But but I am saying that, that what Jesus what Isaiah is saying in Isaiah forty three about how God will take care of you will be true. It's a tragedy to take the life that God has given you and to live for your own glory. Now, that's probably the That's probably the most common thing that people do. So so you've got people living for God's glory, okay? But then you have a whole bunch of other people that are living for their own glory. It's really tempting, isn't it, to to use the life that God has given you for a little self-exaltation platform, build a little mini kingdom, construct your own little comfort island, or live for your selfish pleasure corporation. Or here's the worst one of all. I think this is the worst one of all. A lot of people take the life that they've been given and, and their, their purpose is just to get through the day. Like that's their life. It's get through the day. Man, I just want to get through the day. I just got to get this stuff done. Got to get here, got to get there, got to go again. You know, I got get all this stuff and I just want to get it done. And then it's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> Starts all over tomorrow, you know. And that's where they live. Here's what Isaiah is saying. You were meant for something better. You were made, you were created, you were formed. Look at verse 7. For His glory. For His glory. And when you don't live for His glory, listen, you you rob God. Not not only only do you you mess your own life up, but you rob God. If you ask the kids in the church, they're going to know this verse, but Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. You see, when we, when we don't glorify God, we don't glorify Him, we, we sin. Okay, we, we take the life that God has given us, and we use it. We're like taking the iPhone, and we're hammering in the 16 penny nail, or we're plunging out the toilet with it. We're using the life that God has given us for ways that dishonor God, that don't bring Him glory, that, that, that tell the world God is not significant. God is not important. I mean, folks, if you live your life in a way, if you, if you, if you order your fast food, if you, if you drive your car, if you, if you have a marriage, and what, what your actions, your attitude says is, God is not very important. He's not very significant. He's not very good. That's sin. And, and folks, especially when we live in such a way that simply exalts ourselves. Chuck Swindoll wrote a book called Rise and Shine. I don't even know that I read the whole book, but I, I was on a, a plane going to Houston, Texas, probably 17, 18 years ago, long time. I was going to a conference. Somebody had, had given me a ticket to a conference, a Jim symbol of conference. And uh, I read that first chapter and it changed my ministry. The first chapter was the purpose of it all. The purpose of it all. And it's, it's the glory of God. And in that chapter, Swindoll said this. I thought it was significant. He said, I cannot at the same time accept the glory and give God the glory. Did you hear that? I cannot at the same time accept the glory and give God the glory. My friends, This that's one of the greatest struggles in my life, and I'm assuming it is in yours, of, of not wanting the glory for me, not wanting to live in such a way that makes me look good and live in such a way that I get my way and live in such a way that displays my strengths. But rather to live in such a way that brings glory to God. Jesus said in John 5.44 to a group of guys, he said, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? You see, he says, it's gonna hinder faith in your life if you're living in such a way that wants to bring glory to yourself. Man, it'll it'll change everything. This one switch. Man, uh, conflict. You guys ever have conflicts? Okay? conflict when when you begin to say what will glorify God in this conflict oh man it changes everything I tell you what that one principle you know what will happen 50 percent of the time you'll be like well there isn't a conflict anymore you know I mean really like it just disappeared like when when you made that switch you're, you're in this fuss or fight or you know you got a conflict personal conflict with somebody you're irritated aggravated about something and when you flip that switch and say okay my purpose here is to bring glory to Jesus. All of a sudden, it's gone. I mean, there isn't a conflict anymore to fuss with. It's like the whole thing was, it was about my honor. It was about my glory. It was about me getting my way. And when I turned that switch to God getting glory, all of a sudden, it disappeared. God's glory is a big deal. How many of you remember that uh, passage in Acts? Acts 12, I think it is. It's where Herod uh Herod is a king he's not a good king he's a bad king and um he's uh he's he's over several like uh states or whatever and one of them kind of needs his his economic approval or whatever they they need something from him and so they make this plan we're going to they know he's kind of an ego guy we're going to really build up his ego so he comes and he gives a speech and you know as he gets done with the speech they all rise to their feet and, wow best speech ever you you're so amazing you're so great and they start chanting the voice of a God, not a man. The voice of a God, not a man. And the scripture, scripture simply says this. It says, Herod didn't correct them. He didn't correct them. He just basking in it. Yeah, you need me. Yeah, you better come to me. Yeah, you better. You better cater to me. It says, God struck him down and killed him. And he was eaten by worms. I don't know what exactly that eaten by worms thing means. But I know this, it's not good, okay, right? I mean, it never means good. So I don't know if it's parasite, or what, but what it means is he died a horrible death. And God killed him and it was because he he robbed God of glory. So Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, we exist for his glory, and that's a big deal. I don't think I need to go in very much to... God being glorious. You've already heard that from me. If you've been here in the last month, you heard it in Isaiah 40. We did it in Isaiah 41. Okay, but basically, it's God being perfect in every category. God being incredibly awesome in character in every character trait, okay? So power, just think of, uh, you got the kind of the, the weak person that can barely lift, you know, 100 pounds on the bench press, and then you got the strong person that's lifting 200 pounds and the really strong person 300, 400, you know, the big behemoth of a guy. Okay, if you follow that trajectory in power, You've got God Almighty who is limitless, right? He's glorious in that His power never ends. Same with wisdom. His wisdom never ends. His love never ends. His grace never ends. God is glorious in every way. Perfect in every way. Praiseworthy in every way. And God does what He does to display His glory. God, when God saves, He is showing us His glory. That's what, that's what Isaiah 48, that's why I included that passage. I want you to see that. So when Israel gets returned back, when, they, when, when God defers his anger and brings back this rebellious, disobedient people, and he brings them back home and establishes them again, Why did he do that? Well, man, Isaiah 48 is clear. Verse 9. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not be cut off. Behold, I've refined you. In other words, I've disciplined you, but not as silver. I've tried you in the furnace of affliction. Why? Verse 11. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. How should my name be profane? My glory I will not give to another. He saves for his own glory. You say, well, that was true for Israel, but it's not true of us, right? God saved me because I'm just so that gum good. You're not saved. Okay, all right. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, this great passage of Christian salvation, all that God has done for us. And there's this, this pattern in it, okay? Starts out in verse 3. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Um, verse 4. He chose us before the foundation of the world, He predestined us for salvation. He adopted us in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. To the praise of His glorious grace. Okay, and then it starts over. Verse 7, we have redemption by his blood, we have forgiveness, we have the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us, uh, all the plan of God, the perfect plan. Verse 11, we have an inheritance, and it goes all the way to verse 12. It says, so we were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then it starts over. In him also you have the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, you believed in him, you have the promised Holy Spirit as the guarantee of your inheritance. And then he finishes by saying, to the praise of his glory. Do you see the pattern? God did this for you. He did this for you. He did this for you to the praise of his glory. He did this for you. He did this for you. He did this for you for the praise of his glory. He did this for you. You you see? Why does God do what he does? For his glory. You look through the guys in the Old Testament that really knew how to pray. Top three. Who are the guys in the Old Testament? Here's what I would say. Moses, Daniel, and Nehemiah. Those guys stand out in my mind as guys who really knew how to pray. You look at their prayers, you're going to find a common theme. When they, when they plead with God, you, you know what they use as leverage? His glory. And the really interesting thing is God lets them. God, God likes that, actually. So in other words, instead of coming and saying, God, please save us because we're really sorry and we tried hard. And God, we, give us a little break. Everybody makes mistakes. They didn't pray that way. When they prayed, they prayed this way. They said, God, we really blew it here. It's completely our fault. But God, for your reputation. See, we're your people. And so God, for your reputation, for your glory, so that you don't look bad among the nations, so that you look good, would you save us? And then interesting. They they prayed for God's glory. That was the foundation of, of their prayer, folks, we were created for His glory. Now, now, how? Okay, we're running out of time here. Let's, let's quickly think about how do we glorify God. So if we know that and we accept that and we say, okay, my purpose in life is to glorify God. Okay, how do we do that? Well, I, I made a list on the plane Wednesday and I've condensed my list to try to group some things. And so here's here's my short list, okay? We do that in praise and in celebration, okay? I don't even think I've got, I'm not going to even go to the verses that I've got listed because I think you know that, right? We, we do that by by speaking and praising and celebrating who God is and what he's done, okay? We do that with praise. Okay? If, you're, if you're a sports fan, then probably in praise of your team, you know what you know? You know their record for this year. You know their best players. You know the batting average of, of the, the best hitter on the team. I mean, you know those things and you celebrate those things. You praise those things. In the same way, you ought to praise the glorious greatness of our God. We do so in thanksgiving. There's a great verse. I'll show you this one in Psalm 50. Psalm 50, verse 23, it says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. And when you look at your life and you say, God, you've been so good. God, you've saved me. God, you everything I have is, is, is from you. God, you know, I have a family because of you. I have, I have resources because of you. I, I, I'm able to take care of my family because of you. Lord, everything I do is because of you. God, I give you thanks. When you do that, you glorify him in imitation Okay? whenever you imitate someone you're saying that person is wise and strong and cool and beautiful and valuable and in the same way remember we're putting off the old self we're putting on the new self that's creating the image of God we're becoming like Jesus whenever you're in a situation you're like man how would Jesus handle this you're, you're, you're bringing glory to him whenever you're like man I want to do this but Jesus says turn the other cheek so man he's he's awesome so I want to be like him man you just brought glory to God. In delight, in enjoyment. Psalm one forty nine five says, "Let the godly exult in glory; let them sing for joy on their beds." On their beds, you know, it's, it's a picture of you at night laying down, and you're just, you just—you still got a song in your heart because of all that God has done. We bring in glory. Let me tell you, there is there is nothing God glorifying about a grumpy, irritable, bristling Christian. You know, in fact, I have a hard time saying those things in Christian at the same time. You don't don't glorify God when you're grumpy. You glorify God when you're rejoicing. That's why Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice, you know. Don't be the guy that, that goes to work and you're always griping about everything. You're always mad about everything. You're always ticked off about this or that. And then at break time, you're like, hey, I'd like to invite you guys to my church. It's really good. You could be like me. (laughs) I mean, you're you're not bringing glory to God. Now, what does that say about God if you have no joy? Imagine, my oldest daughter will be gone for a year, over a year probably. Imagine she comes back home after studying, getting her degree. Here she comes. She arrives at our house. There's no one to greet her. She's pulling all her suitcases. She comes in, trying to get everything in. In the kitchen, Emma's cooking one of those weird meals, you know. She's like, oh, hey, hon. She's got her earphones in, listening to music. And kind of drags her suitcases by her and comes to the living room. And the little girls are on the floor playing a card game. They're kind of fussing over who's winning or who did what, you know. She's like, hi, girls. And they're like, hi, Hannah. And they're like, "Yeah, give me that card, yeah. Haddon's in this chair. I don't have a chair at our house, but he has a chair. I think that's wrong. <laughs> he's in his chair. He's watching Star Wars, whatever. He doesn't even look up. Man, I think she'd feel dishonored. But, she comes in, little girl sprint out. Hannah, 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 Hannah. He's jumping up and down. Hannah's home. I would bring glory. Man, just How do you greet the Lord? Worship and joy. Quickly, in proclamation, Psalm 78, 4 talks about our foundation for our children's ministry. We'll not hide them from their children, but we'll tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. Man, we glorify God by telling people what he's done. Man, I got to tell you what he's done. I got to tell you what he's done through history. I got to tell you what he's doing. I got to tell you what he will do. I got to tell you what he's promised to do. We glorify him in priority and in pursuit. There's that strange verse in Matthew 10, 37. Whoever loves father and mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me. What's that verse telling us? That verse is telling us Jesus can't be like down the list, like family. That's number one, you know, and this, number two. And then Jesus, he comes in three or four. That doesn't honor glory. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, so you got great families, awesome families. They're not better than Jesus. He's his priority. He's our pursuit. We go after him. We glorify the Lord in spirit-empowered works. I was thinking about different verses in the Bible that tell us we're created for what? And there's one in Ephesians. Ephesians 2.10. It says, it says we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Some of you are going to say, aha! You see, we're not just created for his glory. We're also created for good works. Well, aha Back. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. If you're serving, you ought to serve in a way that glorifies God. If you do a good deed, it ought to be done in a way that glorifies God. First Peter four ten, 10. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another. That's good, right? Your small group leader, you ought to use your gifts to serve one another tonight, as God, as stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies, in order that, listen, in order that, in everything, God may be glorified, all to God's glory. So, just as people ought to look at a blazing Oklahoma sunset. We got really good sunsets. And they ought to look at that and they ought to say, God is awesome. Just as you ought to step out in a crisp, clear, starry night and stare up at the Milky Way and you ought to say, man, God is big. In the same way, people ought to look at the way you live. They ought to look at your joy, your love, your courage, your compassion, your obedience, and they ought to say, God is good. God is mighty. Here's a really cool thing. No matter what situation of life you find yourself in, male, female, rich, poor, slave, free, no matter what, no matter your physical condition, maybe you're triathlete, maybe you're sick, maybe you're in a wheelchair, maybe you are got cancer, heart disease, no matter your gifts, maybe you're Pastor, maybe you're a speaker, maybe you're a servant, maybe you're an administrator, maybe you're hospitable. Across the board, you can glorify God in whatever situation you're in. Isn't that awesome? First Corinthians ten thirty one. I gotta show you this. You ready? Whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, whether eat or why eat or drink, man, everybody's going to do it, right? Mundane, simple, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So here's some things I want you to think about your small group. Okay, are you ready? How do you clean out the attic to the glory of God? How do you do that? I think you can. I think you can clean out your attic to your own glory, right? Some of you have probably done that, right, haven't you? Well, I'm going to go clean the attic because nobody else has done it. Look at all this stuff everybody put up here. Who did this, right? You can clean the attic to nobody's glory, you know? You can clean it and be so ticked off when you're done about all the junk up there and you pout around all night glory to no one you know how do you do that how do you how do you study for a test of the glory of God how do you rock a baby for the glory of God how do you suffer Man, that's a theme all through the scriptures how do you suffer to the glory of God how do you order fast food to the glory of God I'm a fast food con- connoisseur and I will guarantee you there are people that order fast food and God is not lifted up. Man, people do not walk away saying, God is awesome. How about this one? This, this one, I'm telling you what. You pull this off, you will be a shining torch in Woodward, alright? How do you watch a high school sporting event to the glory of God? <laughs> You're watching it, and everybody around you is seeing God's power and grace and compassion and love and wisdom. You can, because it says, whatever you do, and whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Man, this is one of those passages, guys, that that's why it's a bedrock. Because it wherever you're at, it's gonna hit you. No matter what condition you're in, whatever you're facing, wherever you're going, whatever you're gonna do today, you exist. For the glory of God.